Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Alexa, who is Adam Ferrara? Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needles Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Virelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie. He was a co-host on the U.S. version of Top Gear. Adam's podcast is a big hit and available everywhere. Sounds like it could be funny. Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never get back. I'm so glad you guys are here because it's showtime. Guess what, honey? What is that, Adam? We have another great show for you again this week. My guest in the ADD interview is comedian, writer, and podcaster. It's my pal, Andy Steinberg. And we want to welcome everyone from our Talk To Me Tuesday family. That's our conversation we have every week, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Tuesdays. Go to my website, click the link, join our conversation, and our superfan shout-out is for Sue. Say hi to Sue, everybody. Hello, Sue. Hey, hey, Sue. How are you? Sue, uh, Phil sends his best, and we got a nice email from Sue. Honey, if they want to get a hold of us, where do they go? The Adam Ferrara at Gmail. Uh, and Sue is working on herself. Yes, she is. She's trying to be a better version of herself, and uh, we commend that here at the home office. Keep kicking, kid. And thank you for listening to us. And I, and I was starting to think about what being better means. You mean a BAP? A BAP? What's a BAP? Being a better person. Being a better... It's a BAP. It's a BAP. 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 Babbit. It's a babbit. Okay, yeah. babbit. It's a babbit. Okay. A bap is is, is a that was on the fly. So being a person, being okay. a better person is mm-hmm. a, is a babbit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, I'm she, good at bap. I'm good at being a person. Being a bab babbit is tough for me. Yeah, babbit. Am I saying it right? Babbit. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's tough to be a babbit. Well, what does? Uh, let me ask you this, Marcus. What does mm-hmm. being a babbit mean to you? Well, you know, I'm I'm fairly critical of myself in the way I move. I think downright world. mean toward yourself, but okay, go ahead. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I look at it and I think there's, you know, you can designate the areas in your life. You could be better professionally. It could be better with your health. You could be better in your personal relationships. You could be better at work. Mm-hmm. You know, you could be a better citizen of the planet. So like I look at all these sort of different categories 
And, you know, I'm getting D's in most of them. <laughs> so I'm waiting for the teacher at the end of the semester to be like, how'd you like to try another year? Mark, I think you're casting too big a net. Pit one thing to be better at. <laughs> maybe maybe, maybe just start with the earth. But recycle. Start with that. See if you can put <laughs> the plastic in the blue box and then move on from there. Well, you know what my problem is? I'll be like, okay, so I'll recycle. And I, I do. I got a whole recycling can here in my, my apartment. But then I'll see stuff outside and I'll be like, if you're really good, you should pick up that stuff where you see it, you know, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I, I got it. I got the answer. Don't leave the house. You cannot. You can't be outside. It's too much pressure yeah. for you. It's too much pressure yeah. for you to be among other people. Look, yeah. you, you can't be that hard on yourself. Yes. Let's just set the bar at this, Mark. Recycle. Don't kill anybody. How's that? How's That's that? good. That's a good motto. We can do that. Right. Mark, you know what? Life is hard. You should take it easy on yourself. There's a podcast I'd like you to listen to. <laughs> I look. Yeah. I, that, I, that, I need to do that. I think better for me is is being more compassionate with myself and not beating myself up. And part of that is accepting life on life's terms. Better doesn't have a roof on it. Being better is kind of learning and growing and having a good heart. Yeah, but I think I I think. Some days you're going to win. Some days you're going to lose. But you can't force what you want to happen. You got to take what you got and make something out of it. It, it, it. It's a difference between power versus force. You have power to to react to what's already here. Force means you want to change what's already here. And that's where that's where anxiety comes from. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I think now that you paint it like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you can't. There's a lot of things you don't have control over. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I beat myself up because I think I do. I'm sorry I interrupted you guys. No, yeah. I mean, you know, I get upset about the weather, but I'm pretty sure I can't control that. See, that's the know? difference. I can. And with my mind. <laughs> it's like Phil. Phil will not accept the parameters given to him. He gets angry. You know what it is? He gets angry. He can't eat what he wants. I'm not making this up. We're at Barney's. We go, we go in and watch the game. He sits down at the booth and he yells at me. I'm getting whatever the hell I want. I said, who says you can't? What are you yelling at me for? <laughs> not five. Yeah. You I'm, not, put whatever you want. I'm not the one that made you lactose intolerant. Okay. <laughs> and he's all wound up now, Phil, because he had cheese at Thanksgiving and he called me mm -hmm. in agony before he got on his ship. Listen to this. Oh, there goes the first part. Here it comes. It's coming. It's going to be an agonizing night. <laughs> He's telegraphing his farts. He ate cheese. And I said, just take take some Prilosec now. He goes, now I'm going to wait for a sign. He goes, here comes the first fart. <laughs> it's coming. <sighs> so, yeah. <laughs> he was all upset. Oh, so he, he knows he can't. He ate out of anger. It's, thanks, it's like it's Thanksgiving. My stomach will let me have this. No, it won't. You can't have no. it. Yeah. It's, it's a biological reality. That morning, he had to get on a plane and fly to Cartagena. Oof. Yeah. I'm such a fucking moron, man. I just, I'm in Colombia, farting the whole way here. The whole plane ride. <laughs> Horrible, man, you know? I'm just, I can't sleep. I'm tired. I want some coffee, and I can't find coffee. I went to four different places. I mean, I go to four different places, and I snapped. I was like, what do you mean you don't have coffee? You invented it. You invented it. <laughs> How do you not have coffee? Yeah. That's him. Bitching and farting. And you wow. wonder why the world hates us. You invented it. <laughs> yeah. How dare you? <laughs> yeah. He was he was all wound up. You know what you call that? What? A loud American. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, wait. There's more. You know what they do have? Drug dogs and drug cops going through my bags. That's what they have. 
You know, do you think I'm bringing cocaine into this country? It's already here, all right? You know what drugs I have? I got Tylenol PM so I can sleep, and I have Gas X so I don't fart. And neither of those are working. All right, can I go now? Oh, my God, dude. What? I just, I just, I'm ready to die. I'm ready. I'm ready. Oh. <laughs> so here's the thing. Phil is not accepting life on life's terms. That's why when I heard that and Sue was trying to be better, I had to ask myself, well, what's being better to me? And being better to me is being kinder to myself so I could be kinder to other people. And the way I get there is realizing, look, this is the circumstances of life and I got to work myself around life. I can't have it on my terms. It seems like a lot of work, Adam. It is. It's, I'm exhausted. <laughs> I'm exhausted. It seems like a lot of work. Why don't you just start? Just put a smile on your face. I'm trying. <laughs> just put a smile Appar- on your face. Apparently, I need a theory so I can do that. Mm. Oh, man. And when I was talking to Andy Steinberg, my pal, that was the cause of his distress, too. He, he wants life on his terms. and it Good just luck, doesn't. buddy. I know. That's what I told him. <laughs> but he's a really good dude, and, uh, and I, I'm glad he did this for me. Uh, you're really going to enjoy this. So you guys listen to this, and we will see you on the other side. If you make up your mind that you are going to control your circumstances, what thoughts arise when we hear that? Do we know? What do we feel? What is our response, our inner response? Oh, there goes the first part. Here it comes. It's coming. It's going to be an agonizing night. <laughs> The Adam Ferrara Podcast. This is 30 minutes you'll never get back. What is that smell? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I've got some stand-up dates for you. Are you in Savannah, Georgia? I am. Tonight, December 8th through Saturday, December 10th, I am at District Live in Savannah, Georgia. New Year's Eve, we're in Vegas, baby. Come see me at the Suncoast Hotel and Casino. February 9th through February 11th, I will be at Helium in Indianapolis. February 17th and 18th, I will be at Uncle Vinny's Comedy Club in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. And I'm going home to Strong Island. February 24th and February 25th, I'm going home to Governor's Comedy Club in Long Island. There's a link for tickets right here in the show notes, or you can go to my website, click the link there. And as always, if you can make any of these gigs, you come up to me after the show, because I want to thank you for the love and support you've shown me and this podcast. All right, go on, get out of here. Pay attention when I'm talking to you, boy. 
ADHD that's not just for kids. Nice boy, but doesn't listen to a word you say. Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting, it's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is... Oh, look, a bird! My guest this week is a writer, stand-up comedian, and podcaster. You know him from the Spears and Steinberg podcast he co-hosts with Ari Spears. He's open for Mark Marin, Dave Attell, and me. He is a fearless artist. He only drinks Mexican Coke, and he drove us the wrong way on a one-way street in New York City. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's my pal, Andy Steinberg. How are you, my friend? Good. But just for the New York thing, we actually, it was, it was... It was a very short street. <laughs> yeah, it was a very short street. But then we and we got the end of it. I went, get out, <laughs> get out. It, it was such a nice moment. You always have been so kind to me in the moments of the most distress. I'll tell you that. <laughs> you just looked at me and go, we stopped at the light. I was going to, I was on the wrong way. Uh, and you just looked at me and you go, whatever you do, the second it turns green. And if you could figure out even a tenth of a second before it turns green, floor it and get the fuck out of here. Yeah. So I thought it was great. Yeah. So we did. Then, then we pulled over and I started driving. And from that point on, you still open for me, but I've always driven. Even if it was your car, yes. I've always driven. Yes. And you were even nice about that when you go, uh, I don't, if you wouldn't mind, <laughs> take the keys, take the car. I hate driving. So it yeah. worked out well. Yeah. Well, it's good to see you, my friend, and thank you for doing this. And I meant what I said, that you are a fearless artist. We're working together right now at the Tempe Improv in Arizona. Um, and you you got a bit about a guy with no legs. No, stainless steel rods and tennis shoes. Yeah, but it can go either way, the bit. And it, it, and it has. It, mm -hmm. it can go the wrong. I, 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 love, I love the opportunity and, uh, you know, I open up for Aries a lot, too, and he talks to me about this all the time. I, I, he always says, I'm digging a hole for myself. Mm -hmm. and I love the opportunity to bring someone into an uncomfortable place and, and do what comedy does. It, it takes it, it, it relieves us from the uncomfortable. Well, here's the thing. It's like I, you, you, you dig the hole. You set the uncomfortable to relieve the uncomfortable. I, I think life is uncomfortable. So when they come to see me, you already got the tension. I'm just here for the relief. <laughs> I guess I, I, I'm a one-stop shop. I like the whole thing. I like bringing them there and taking them out. Yeah. Uh, if you trust me, it works out. But the thing is, I'm an opener. I open for you. I open for other people on the road. Like, and there's nobody doesn't have a no one has a buy into me. Mm -hmm. so you have to buy into comedy. Like, I hope this comedian is good enough to get me through this place and take me to a better place. Because if he leaves me here, I'm going to be really annoyed. And so that <laughs> that's so that's the trick, right? Aris isn't wrong. You are digging a hole for yourself. I know, I know, but I, you know, I, I, I like it. My whole set is about making you see things from a different perspective right now. Mm. And um, I, I just, that those moments are the greatest. I think they're the most rewarding when they work, but when they don't, that's the risk if you book someone like me. Now you have to deal with someone who could be irritated about a show because they didn't get what I wanted them to get out of it. I never wanted to do a joke where it makes someone, uh, you know, where it just hurts them. I want them to leave happy, but it happens. Mm. Well, what do you, what do you attribute your, not need, but your proclivity to bring people to a dark place first? You know, I, I thought about this before we even did the podcast. It's the first time I ever really had this revelation was actually last night. I was thinking about this because 
we didn't go into detail, but I, I asked myself, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. uh, really, to tell you the honest truth, and I, and I think this is where it comes from, is uh, I, I was in a pretty severe car accident when I was uh, around 11, 10, 11. Mm -hmm. And my whole one side of my face was basically almost ripped off. I had about seven, I think they said it was six to 7,000 stitches to put uh, half of my face back together. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was, you know, as a, as a 10, 11 year old kid, it was all scarred. I mean, it was, the stitches were on the m multiple layers. So it was done, you know, they had a, not just the top. I mean, it was in there. So it was, it was painful, but on the top, it looked like as a little kid, it looked like a Frankenstein monster. I looked like yeah. a Frankenstein monster to myself. And, uh, I couldn't look in a mirror. Mm -hmm. I, I really, I couldn't look at myself. And, uh, I, I remember, um, seeing myself and I, I, I screamed. And I know that this might not make any sense, but I needed someone to make a joke. I needed someone to tell me, yeah, I, I people would say, my mom said, oh, it doesn't look that bad. I screamed when I saw it. Right. I needed someone to relate to me on a different level that, yes, this is horrible, but, but, and whatever the but is that follows that, I don't know what it could have been at that time, but I needed someone to change my perspective. I needed to see it from a different way. And I think that that's where this comes from. I think that I challenge people on the perspective all the time. I was a great debater in uh, uh, in high school because I never picked a side. I just I picked both. If, if I could, if I could debate both sides, I'd rather do that. I love the idea of getting to look at it, something from a different perspective all the time. Mm -hmm. um, it, 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 it's just that the the idea that we think we're right when we make a decision and, and we could be for ourselves, but to see it from the other person's point of view is remarkable because then you understand why people see things a certain way. And I think that's all I'm trying to do is this juxtaposition so that I, I, I people will s stop uh, seeing things from such a small, narrow point of view and being able to see a bigger picture. And that's what this kind of does for me. Uh, I never thought about it that way until last night. And I was thinking about what, where this comes from. Mm -hmm. And I remember the joke for me would have been my mom, when I got, when we were in that accident, I ended up staying at my grandmother's house who had a really nice house, uh, way nicer than our house. And we wanted to stay there, but she had mirrors everywhere and I couldn't stand to look at myself. So the perspective in that house for me, was funny. I'm in a nicer house, but I can't stand to see myself here. Mm. So that was the, you know, that's the juxtaposition. And I, I, uh, I, I think that's where it comes from, Adam. I, I really don't know. I, I haven't really questioned myself that deeply, but I, I really, I touched on something last night, and that's what I think it is. I, I think that's that's a pretty good guess, my friend. It's, one is it, 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 it brings you, brings you comfort. I'm, I'm guessing it brings you comfort. It brings you the relief you needed as a kid that you were providing for yourself now. So that's got to be healthy, and, uh, and you're trying to. Uh, to be aware of other people's perspective and bring people the awareness that there are, there is another point of view. Like I'm at the point now in my life, Andy, where I'm, I'm looking about how many times I make a statement and how many times I ask a question, asking a question feels more open to me, you know, making a statement yeah. is just kind of like, uh, is, is kind of like me wishing for something to be true. I don't know if that makes any sense. You know, it makes a lot of sense. And I think we, you know, we don't, we're, we're ending our sentences right now, not with a period, not even mm -hmm. with a period. We're ending them with an explanation point. Yeah. You know, this, and, and society doing, is, yeah. Yeah, society is. And and, and, and I, I think this is my fight back because I really realized 
from a young age that there was a different way of seeing things. And mm. this is that what I just described to you as part of it. But I really can't stand this. Uh, uh, you know, it's a really you're either with me or you're against me kind of attitude. Yeah. So that's that, you know, all this together gets me this. But it is dangerous as a comic and an unknown comic to do that. I don't I don't recommend. I don't really recommend it for people to go make, just make jokes, be funny, let people enjoy you and like you. That's, that's great. I, but I honestly, I, I have a little bit of that Patrice O'Neill thing where I need some people not to like me. I need, because if I, if everybody in the room liked me, I didn't say anything that was different. I said all likable, nice stuff. And I, mm -hmm. I, I want some people to go home fulfilled. And I want some people to go around going, I never want to see that guy again. And I'm yeah. okay with that. Well, you, you need you need to get what you need to get out of out of your art as well as what service it provides for other people, which is, you know, it's the same thing I do. You know, I just don't uh, I just don't intentionally dig a hole as much as I just present my truth. You're out there well, with a friggin' shovel, Steinberg. I've seen you. <laughs> I know, uh, and everything, uh, and I've taken stuff out because it's it's gotten too dark. So uh, I'm trying to, but I'm trying to find that nice medium groove where I can make people feel comfortable after I made them feel a little bit uncomfortable and not let anybody leave with any uncomfortableness. Well, I think but you, I, got, you got, you got to start with trust first. You know, you just, you, you got to start with going out there first and, and building, building that set to, to get them to trust. It was hard to do in an opening position. Like I, first show Friday, I was like, ah, He's digging already. Look at him. There he goes. <laughs> well, I didn't do that joke on the first show Friday. I did it on the second show Friday. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, it, it's I built the trust in myself because we had a good first. My first set was good. It was really good. It was nice uh, for the most part. I do have a joke that's a little dark on the first set. And uh, but it was such a good show that I felt I built the trust in myself. So I'm going to go ahead and give these people who have no idea who I am <laughs> some more of this. So, yeah, you're, I know it should be my trust should be built with them. But yeah, I, the ones that found me funny at the end, it was very nice. At the end of the show last night, uh, a few people came up to me and said how great those things, those beats that you're talking about were. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and it's always funny when they go, I didn't care about the people that didn't like it that were next to me. And I was like, well, thanks for making me aware of all the people next to you who didn't like the joke. <laughs> one Xavier. But that that's also part of it. I mean, I, I'm not trying, I don't think as a, as an artist, uh, stay, and I know the the fringe of saying what we do is art. Some people say it's art. Some people say it's performance. Whatever, uh -huh. However you want to look at it. I don't think I'm any darker than what's going on outside the walls of a comedy club. See, but that's, that's where we're different. I see what's going on outside the walls of a comedy club, and I want to lighten that up a little bit. I want to uh, I, I want to address it, but lighten it up a little bit. You're just going, I, we're going in this hole, and I'll get you out. Yeah, so when you go back outside of the comedy club that night, you have some new tools that you can use to go through your day. All right, good. So you're providing a service. Yeah, exactly. You do you do provide uh, a different perspective. I will give you that, and it's something I like to uh, I, I like to watch you work. And uh, I'm specifically speaking about your son, True. Uh, your son, True, is uh, uh, it's on a spectrum of autism, but it's Asperger's, right? It's all spectrum. He's been he's he's diagnosed autistic. Uh, when he was growing up, they didn't know if it was autism or uh, Asperger's. They've kind of gotten rid of the the. the They've kind of just put it all under the autism spectrum now. Okay. That's how we're kind of supposed to approach it because uh, uh, it's a spe autism has a spectrum. There is no 
defined characteristics that this is an autistic person. Mm-hmm. So now they just all fit under that one umbrella. Okay. But in, in the, the bit you have, you said when, he, when you got him diagnosed, uh, that you didn't know what it was, and they gave you an array of choices. Right. And because at that time, they would say, and, and that's why I use it, because that's how it came to me, is he, your, your son is, uh, is autistic, possibly Asperger's, because that's supposed to, you know, the, the other, without digging a hole on your podcast, mm-hmm. uh, when, you, when you find out that your child is in this, in this situation, uh, uh, in the spectrum, uh, the people, the, the people that are diagnosing the doctors all oh, never want to make it so devastating to the parents. So they mm. try to give them options, options <laughs> the child could be, that they don't have to go, Oh, this is, you know, the world is caving in. My child is this, they right. give you options. And then they try to give you ways that they think that you can work through this. And I, and I think it's, a. I think there should be a class for parents that they have to take immediately after they find out that their kid is this and the doctor shouldn't try to make it better because one of the things that they said to me, just so that uh, I can put this all together, this is not in the act. This is not in the, in the, in the bit that I do about my son, Mm. but uh, they, they, they say, well, he's high function. It seems that he's going to be high functioning autism, but possibly Asperger's the Asperger's is the nicer of the the two choices. Mm -hmm. And then they say things like, he could go grow through this. Uh, we could, we think we can mainstream. He could be mainstream. They tell you all this, and so the parents believe they want to believe the least amount. They want to believe mm-hmm. what's the best because you want you don't want to wish the worst on your kids. So you believe what's the best. But the best thing to do is to know that it could be the worst. Mm-hmm. Hope for the best. And that way you get them as many services as you can, but they don't do that. So that's why I'd like to talk about my son so much on stage is, is to give them a real, the real boy. My, he's a real boy. You know, mm-hmm. he wasn't, he wasn't an autistic boy. He was my boy that's autistic. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to be able to approach and talk about him as, as a real human and humanize him so that we, we know that just do the best you can for your kid, because that's all you do for any kid is the best you can, no matter what their situation situation is. But people want to assume, that, not assume, they want to take on the role that this is going to be okay. He's only going to be at this level. It doesn't make a difference what level he is. Most services, most help you can get for someone who's on the spectrum at, at an early age, the earlier, the better, the better chance they do have of, of and they say learning how to grow out of it, but you really don't. Autistic children learn how to mimic society in a way that makes them acceptable mm-hmm. is really what's going on. Uh, they're, they're mimicking social interaction in the way that they see it. That's what they do. They don't really, they don't really connect the same way. Not all, but a large amount don't really connect that same way. So that's why I talk about my son. And I do appreciate that. I think that's where we connected is that you actually saw that I might have a little teeny bit of humanity in me when I was. About- <laughs> <laughs> no, I saw a great deal of humanity in you. Well, when, when we first met and uh, that's why I said this guy, this guy's funny. He's different, but he's funny. And one of the things that I liked uh, when I first met you was, and I put it in the intro that you are fearless. You're facing your fear and, 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 and the courage to do that for your fear is one thing. The courage to face your fear for your kid is a whole nother level of brave. Well, he makes it easier because he is amazing, you know, and if you get, if you just see him for who he is, which was the only way that I'm, you're allowed to see your kid really mm-hmm. it's who it is. He's amazing. He he surprises me every day. Uh, autistic, on the spectrum, whatever you want to say. 
uh, a regular boy, Pinocchio, uh, made out of wood. It doesn't make a difference. He he always entertains me and surprises me every day. So he makes it very easy for me. I want people to see what I see. So mm -hmm. that's all I would like to say is brave, but I'm really, he's the brave one. I'm just relaying to everybody how amazing the kid is. And, and I want them to see him and all the kids that are on the spectrum for what they are. Well, I, I just the the way you talk about it and the way your face lights up, and we had we had lunch with your son the other day, and you know, and just to see that that joy in your face is something that uh, I don't see a lot with you, Andy. <laughs> uh, I, I I I people tell me that I'm I'm usually internally I'm, I'm optimistic, but outwardly people see you know that I I'm, I seem more pessimistic. I mean, I have the ability to to, to bring happy. You know, I know that that's what I can do. I love that about you. I always feel bad for your audience when you have me on because I know that that's you. You're the light. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I do this to your crowd before I come before you come on. And I'm like, I, I, I actually feel a little bit bad sometimes. <laughs> Well, we had a great show, and people stayed for the second show, so we must be doing something, right? I, I had so much fun, and you were, like, your second show, I had a good time, but watching you work that room, and it, there was different kind. they were your fans, but there were different kinds of, mentally, they were a little different, they were each a little different. I think they were from all genres of your, uh, 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 of your resume, whether it's <laughs> Uh, nurse Jackie or being the car, the car guy or being, you know, the firefighter, you know, they were just, they came from all. So I watched the beginning and you were getting this pocket or that pocket. And by the end, the whole room, and then the servers were all, and, and you had everybody, you had everybody. And, and that, you know, again, I think that is amazing. And you're, that's fantastic. I want that. But at the same time, I, I, I seem to fight that, like where I want everybody to be happy. But it's also because it's your crowd. And so they kind of know who you are. Yeah. So that's, you know, I, I, I don't expect to get that from someone else's crowd. But well, let me ask you this. Why do you think you, you if you want that, like most, I think every comic does, why do you think you fight it? I want it on my terms. Aha. There it is. Yeah, that's All right. Let me know if you've ever figured out how life will do that. <laughs> it won't. It won't. And I told you, that's why it's detrimental to me. But I, I have no other way to do this. I got into this comedy gig so late in life. I was I get to hang out with guys like you. I get to mm. hang out with Ari Spears. I got to hang out with Bill Burr. I mm. got to hang out with, I didn't really get to hang out with Bill Burr. I was in the green room while Bill Burr was working because I was friends with one of his friends. But, you know, he was right there. We were all drinking uh, <laughs> okay. together. Yeah. We, we did correspond. We had some, you know, correspondence together. We, we, we had words. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I was backstage at a Chappelle uh, show. I, I, you know, I have admired people for so long and I get to be part of the crew that they are. And, uh, and one of my favorite comedians ever of all time was always Dave Attell. And, and fortunately and unfortunately, I got to work with him very early in, in getting to do clubs. Mm -hmm. And uh, he made me realize that, you know, no one wants a fan in the green room. Right. You know, because we're all at work together. We want to go mm -hmm. to work. We want the people outside to be the fans and we want to do comedy for our, the people that came to see us. But in the green room, we want to be able to be, you know, regular guys. And so I learned that right away. But the fact that I get to hang out with everybody, you know, I, I would, I never thought I would ever get to do this. So it's all a win for me at this point. So on my terms, yeah, it's still on my terms. Am I going to get what 
other people are getting or aspiring? Probably not, but I'm happy to be here, man. Happy to be here. I'm in the room. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm happy to have you as my pal, and I'm always happy to work with you, my friend. I can't thank you enough for doing this. Well, I hope it wasn't too boring. I enjoy, I always enjoy talking to you. So uh, whether it's here uh, on the road, driving in a car, when you're kicking me out of the driver's seat or wherever, <laughs> always glad to be around you. Adam. You're, you, you are the lights. <laughs> I don't think I'm the darkness. I'm not the darkness. I'm just, you know, I'm the little teeny, like that you can see the, the light down the end of the train tracks. That, that might be. I will see you tonight at work, my friend. Best to you and your family. Thank you, Adam. Thanks for having me with you this weekend. You got it. Hi, it's Andy Steinberg, and uh, that's 30 minutes I'll never get back. I like Andy a lot. Yeah. He's a very curious fellow. Yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> but I liked when he said, I identified the problem. He got in that car accident when he was like 11 years old. He got that giant scar, mm -hmm. and he felt that trauma. Mm -hmm. um, and he, he came up with the conclusion of that's why he's creating that uncomfortableness on stage to put himself back in that space emotionally and then yeah it releases tension yeah and then to it release the, the tension I think maybe yeah. maybe that's the thing I'm, I'm guessing yeah yeah i mean you know this adam humor is so powerful mm. um when he was uh talking about that accident i remembered when my head went through glass mm. i had to go to the emergency room um i got had to get a whole bunch of stitches on my forehead they had to open up my face, basically, and uh, search for all the glass. Uh, my sister, who was pre-med at the time, mm -hmm. was in the room with me. And all of a sudden, I hear this thump, thump. And I said, hey, what happened? The doctor who was stitching me up said, oh, your sister just fainted. <laughs> so I, during the whole time thereafter, was trying to make her feel better and trying to make her laugh. Well, so I was getting, well, my face was like <laughs> opened up. And they're looking for glass, stitching it up, calling for a plastic surgeon, whatever. Mm -hmm. And here I'm trying to make her laugh to make her feel better. So you see, Stern, that's being of service to other people, you selfish bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go work on a couple things. I'll be back, guys. You can't recycle a glass. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's I, I, you always need someone like that around you. When you're going through that sort of, you know, that that sort of trauma, mm -hmm. there's always got to be somebody that, that cracks a joke to the point where you're like, please don't make me laugh because it hurts when I laugh. So yeah. I, I, I I love that. That's mm -hmm. that's awesome. I, Can... I'll tell you what what really kind of stood out to me mm -hmm. about Andy and what? a really interesting guy um, was his idea that he loves being comfortable in the uncomfortableness of his set sometimes mm. like he's like i don't care like i'm gonna bring you into a place that you may not want to go and as he's talking about this i'm like man he's like chandling andy kaufman with this you mm. know that was like a lot of the stuff that to my thinking that kaufman wanted to do like i'm gonna make you uncomfortable like <laughs> up here and that's the whole point of this exercise and that there's a certain bravery involved in that and courage on stage that, man, I do not have. I want everyone to love me. I want everything <laughs> up there to go great. Nothing but smiles and laughs. Like, if I'm not making everybody laugh, I am, like, distraught. So that's that's bravery from where I sit. Well, it's it's reading the audience and having a balance, right? You, you say that all the time. Yeah, but I don't... I'm a different comic than Andy. I want to take away... Look, life's uncomfortable enough. I got enough uncomfortable in my life. You got enough uncomfortable in your life. You, you got a babysitter. You came out. You chose to see me. You got a two-drink minimum. Yeah. I'm going to take it away. So we have a different philosophy of... I might be able to make you laugh at something that's bothering you, uh -huh. but I'm not going to create 
purpose tension. I'll create I'll cl- artistic tension so I can release it, but I'm not going to create, you know, it's uh, not un- your style. Uncomfortable. This is not my style. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And you know what? The, the moments that are uncomfortable in your act mm-hmm. sometimes occur when you're going back and forth with the audience and sort of riffing and improving. Mm-hmm. And it's nothing that you're doing. It's just that they'll give an awkward answer or they won't talk. And there's this sort of awkward pause. And that's and not to blow smoke. That's when I love. That's when you're at your best. Like uh, you, you take that moment and let the air out of that tension, and it just everybody explodes at those moments. And it that that to me is the is the fun part of watching you up there. Oh, thank you, pal. But I think you know what I think that is. That's pretty much the audience created it. So that's I'm working with just what is. I didn't initiate right. the uncomfortableness. I've just taken the so now. I'm 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 speaking for the audience. It's the interior monologue of the audience, and that's what makes that moment that much more powerful. It's me connecting to the power of the moment rather than me trying to force a moment. Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. It does. And I think Andy is like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna eject uncomfortableness yes. into the atmosphere. I'm doing this on purpose. <laughs> right. And I'm like, why? Why are you doing that, man? And and it works, you know. I mean, obviously it's working for him, and I think Again, that's that, that's brilliant. It really is. Yeah, but also and also getting those laughs and getting that that hit of dopamine from doing it, it feels good in the moment. But then you got to go to the next moment. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that's what all glory is fleeting. Yeah, and and plus, <laughs> and, and I read you and and Rommel, you magnificent bastard. I read your book. <laughs> I was gonna say that's how many times do we quote Patton? But that's true. All all glory is fleeting. Like it, it, the moment is there and it's gone, mm-hmm. and you can't relive it you can't re- try and recapture it you, you just sort of have to acknowledge it was a great moment but now you have to look at to the next thing yeah i agree with the people paid to see a show yeah you know not to hear your therapy session colin quinn funny first baby mm-hmm. funny first right. yeah yeah adam i wanted to ask you yes when you were in the car with him mm-hmm. did you just realize all of a sudden you were in the wrong lane no I, I was i was looking at my phone i looked up and i'm like okay the the street signs are facing the other way oh uh, my goodness yeah you're in New York. That's yeah. so dangerous. We're in the meatpacking district. So we're on the cobblestone roads. And I was Ugh. just like, Andy. When so it glad th- you didn't tell me that. Punch this gas and get out of here. And then pull over and get out of the car. And he did it. And it was it was the funniest thing. was There was no fight at all. He went, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> of course you're, you're right. right. So you know what? Create an uncomfortable moment on stage. Not going to and from the gig. Okay? <laughs> Mr. Kaufman, let me drive the car. <laughs> oh, man. And to this day, he lives, he lives in Jersey. To this mm-hmm. day, whenever we work together... He'll come you pick drive? me up and I move over. Move over. <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Andy, but. <laughs> That's great. Have you, uh, have you ever inadvertently driven down the wrong way of a one way street? I'm pretty sure I have. I, I, I did it I on have. Top Gear. <laughs> I know I did it. On, I, dro- I drove over uh, uh, those spikes. Don't back up. I backed up. Oh, you did? Yeah, I backed up in I've a always- lip. I've always wanted to do that just to see what would ha- like how bad it would be. Bad. Both tires gone. What you didn't see the sign? Cloris Leachman pissed off. She was in the back. You didn't see the sign. I didn't see it. I had a big chauffeur's hat on. It went down in front of my eyes. Next thing I know, that was it. <laughs> All right, we're walking. And Cloris Leachman yelling, what are you, some kind of asshole? And that's all all Rutt had to hear, because that's what he'd said for the rest of that whole season. He would would, would text me in all caps, what are you, some kind of asshole? (laughs) Cloris, we miss you. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that is great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've done it. You feel like an idiot. You're like, how did I do this? 
Mm-hmm. Like, I, yeah, I, I thank God I have never been killed, but I've done it on more than one occasion. Yeah. So well, you're a good driver, though. I've driven with you a lot. You're a pretty good. You're a good driver. I'm a very good driver. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm trying to channel Rain Man there. I'm yeah. a very good driver. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, I, I have to be because the car I have, if I'm a bad driver, people will kill me. Yeah, because they automatically want to hate me for the car I have. They're like, "Who is this guy with midlife crisis?" He's got a Z four. Oh, like a tennis shoe. Right. Yeah. It reminds me of a tennis shoe. He's got a little tennis shoe. He got a Z four. Yeah. Drives uh, there's people. Yeah. So I have to be a. good He drives driver. around with his yeah. top down and a scarf. Yeah. Start, and I got goggles now too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Penelope Pitstern. <laughs> But you got to be alert. You got to be, you got to, here's what it is. I think it's, if you know, the more you know about yourself, the more you can identify your patterns before they kick in. Does that make any sense? Yes. Yeah. You know? It does. Look at you. It does. But again, thinking way too much. Okay. (laughs) Feed a bird. You'll feel better. Feed a bird. Go stick your hand in some dirt. Stick your hand in a plant, a tree. That's my uh, philosophy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My wife. That's true. As we've talked and documented a lot of my my road anger issues, mm-hmm. I'm not going to call it rage. It's road anger, um, but you don't call uh, it I rage. See... The, you don't call it rage. The arresting officer will, but you don't. <laughs> right. that's, yeah, that's how they refer to it. But it, it, when you see those moments bubbling up, like when you're aware of the pattern, mm-hmm. and then you get in that situation and you see it coming your way, it's so much easier to avoid it and defuse like any kind of anger that you might have or whatever the, that problem might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think being aware of patterns and, and how things, you know, how you react to certain situations going into them, I think is a huge help. Yeah, yeah. And I, I agree. And I think the evolution of that is, is not even, not even going into the pattern, you know, not, not even put yourself you in a position. Stopping, stopping realizing you it. Get there. Yeah. The, yeah the, it's, it's, it's like walking down the street. The first step is you walk down the street, you fall in a hole. The second step is you walk down the street, you know the hole is there, and you fall in it again, and you get angry. Third st- the third step is you walk down the street, you walk around the hole. Ha-ha! And then the fourth step is, I go down a different street. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. That's what you, but in order to get there, you got to make those mistakes. You got to see what the warning signs of, of life is, you know? I think Phil is still walking down the street and falling into the hole. Here it comes. It's coming. <laughs> I want to thank my pal Andy Steinberg. <laughs> His podcast is called Spears and Steinberg. You can get it wherever you get your podcast. Uh, honey, if they want to get a hold of us, where do they go? The Adam Ferrara at Gmail. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. And as always, if you get a chance to leave us a review, that helps us with our friend. Mr. Algorithm. We're all in this together, brothers and sisters. So please share the road. And remember that life is hard. So you take it easy on yourself. Pod is ended. Go in peace. You know, do you think I'm bringing cocaine into this country? It's already here, all right? You know what drugs I have? I got Tylenol PM so I can sleep, and I have Gas X so I don't fart. And neither of those are working. All right, can I go now? Yes, please. By all means, go. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience 
and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.